uh, I had to lay over in Turkey, in Istanbul, rather. Uh, sorry, uh. we have to try to do this mostly in, in English. Um, for uh, just a disclaimer for everyone watching that uh, you know we're, we might slip into some Arabic once in a while, but because uh, I was um, having a guest on who cancelled while I was in a meeting with Nairuz, who is a dear friend of mine who I manage, and um, we thought, fuck it, let's do a mic check episode. Because I want to start doing more of these, uh, you know, having uh, other guests on, uh, like not as interviews, but more to do this show and, uh, you know, shoot the shit and replace uh, uh, Oliver sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was uh, in a layover in Istanbul. You should also um, mention the fact that I want you to start uh, a whole season that you could uh, introduce. Uh, or actually have uh, interview people and speak in Arabic solely uh, uh, entire season that is uh is, is meant for Arabic uh well that is uh, spoken in Arabic yeah well you were and saying in Dutch and uh, uh, I know. you use all my languages and show off as a polyglot exactly. that I am exactly <laughs> yeah. he it's the polyglot's a funny word Polyglot's a cool word. I actually want. I I mean, I've always uh, aspired to become a polyglot. At one point, I think I want to be. Maybe that's one of the ultimate goals in life is to pick up every language there is. Oh man, yeah. What do you think, if, man? If if you can pick up every language there is in the world, like how it's inevitable it's that you're going to be successful. It's a superpower. You know, when you think of success, I like agree. it's a, it's a superpower. Yeah, it is. It's uh, doing business in countries where people don't speak English is uh, is just and 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 collaborating, creating those collaborations not as an artist necessarily also in business between like you you have a vast amount of uh, business owners in around the world that 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 don't speak English but are super successful in their own domain in their countries. If you can link them to other countries that have like other entrepreneurs also don't speak English. They don't have that universal language between them. That's crazy. Yeah, imagine the 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 amount of outreach that this this will uh, help you get. I mean, you know, let alone the idea of using uh, standardized English just to get to a broader audience. Think about the many cultures there are in the world and the many. Uh, uh, languages and accents and dialects that come with them i mean it's phenomenal then again i think it's easier i think it's hard to imagine someone really circumnavigating all the entirety of of humanity's language languages but Mm -hmm. in a sense if if you were to narrow down the the origins of languages i think it would uh narrow down to like six specific uh uh bases if you may or six specific origins uh, yeah in a sense where you know you've got you know the latin roots with with the, the romantic languages and you've got uh celtic germanic, germanic. Yeah. yeah yeah and then you got the uh what did they call it indo-eurasian indo-asian yeah i don't know i wonder where it comes from um because in asia it's so vast i think you have uh, every alf- like alphabets oh, yeah. aren't even s- close to each other, uh, but then it, then you have a country like Georgia, 
you know, I, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen their uh, their alphabet. It's like because it's a, a Cyrillic, isn't it? Is it called Cyrillic? No, Cyrillic is uh, is uh, what they have in Russia, right? So What's that called? I think I'm not sure, man. I think it's. Uh, but they have scribbles. It looks like a mix between like Malaysian, <laughs> and then oh. I don't know what else. It looks like diddles, the doodles that you would draw as a child in class in the back of the room, you know. <laughs> you know what's? Uh, it reminds me of one beautiful language. I've I've, uh, I've heard this language uh, spoken to me by someone who speaks it. Actually, an Irish woman. Uh, I was in Barcelona doing a, a theater workshop there, and there were the there was a bunch of uh, Irish people taking that very same workshop, mm-hmm. and I would get introduced for the very first time in my life to Gaelic. You've heard of that language, Gaelic? Yeah, the the original uh, Irish, the original yeah. Irish language, exactly, yeah. and it's uh, becoming almost extinct as a language, yeah. which is very sad because. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. It's like you're 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 thinking uh, Lord of the Rings from uh, yeah Lord of the Rings, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful sounding language, and also the writings, the 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 uh, typography is very much, I would say, cursive or doodle like. Do you think there's enough people that speak those uh, extinct like uh, languages that are going extinct, those subcultures, to make? Uh, a movie in that <laughs> language and then have it subtitled because you don't just I need think... like it's not just uh, that uh, you, you speak the language but also you need to be competent actor <laughs> you know but I love yeah, it when it's done in music the thing is I think I think there are many I think there are upcoming uh, um, organizations that are meant for uh, the, the preservation for such languages Um and because you're thinking, most uh, most likely this would be done with with ethnic groups that are um, uh, you know minority groups. I'm thinking, you know, uh, I would see I would see such people or, or, or people from such organizations that would appear uh, mostly from Instagram searches and um, you know some publicized works of, of these organizations in some in some set, in a sense. Uh, TikTok is also offering a huge expanse in terms of uh, delivering, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, uh, such knowledge and information about. Uh, well, I feel the sole purpose for that is to for 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 you know a certain culture not to go extinct, and it's very important uh, to really yeah. keep. And you think because I think I think it was. My idea, the example for me would be uh, the Navajo language, which is oh, the um, yeah yeah the Native language Americans. they used by Native Americans, and and uh, also one one lang- particular language that I was fascinated by when I first heard it. Um, it sounds it sounds so close, if you may. I mean, it's easy on the ear. It's nothing that I had ex- expected, to be honest. Because to be honest, it's like. The, the Spanish uh, influence right after the conquistas. Uh, mm. It felt like maybe if I were to hear Native American speaking, which is Navajo, I think it would have more likely be, uh, be, be influenced by some Spanish words, Spanish language. 
but mm. it wasn't the case. It was uh, it was very uh, original in a sense. It's it's, it's uh, the purified version of it is uh, a very um, composed uh, language with with its uh, intrinsic values, of course, and and, and you know uh, I, I'm I feel thinking like it's kind of I'm not, I'm not sonically pleasing. It was. It If a language is sonically pleasing, it has to be used in music, <laughs> you know, like oh no, obviously, but like some languages are sonically pleasing just spoken. Uh, that's why they make for good art. Maybe you, you should know, do that. A big question. Mm. It's really a big question, Nick. For me, it feels like in Arabic, because we have such diversity in terms of uh, dialects and accents, and when it comes to music. I think we've spoken to you about this a, a couple of times, and uh, many times this would, 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 as a subject would be brought up. Uh, the fact that the Jordanian accent or the J- Jordanian dialect in music is uh, is widely uh, accepted, I would say, is is, uh, is actually uh, uh, more or less being asked for uh, by lots of audience members. And you're thinking, you know, as opposed to the 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 uh, You know, the, uh, when you think about Arabic music, you're thinking most popularly it would be what it would be Lebanese dialect, it would be uh, Egyptian dialect. I see Egyptian. Uh, like Ar- Arabs would the, say Egyptian, the and then foreigners the... would say Lebanese. I think <laughs> because because um, the Lebanese was a lot very commercialized. Uh, although Amr Diab is like uh, huge in Europe, um, so he's Egyptian. But yeah, those two. The idea is that you know there was massive. There's still massive propaganda being. I mean, there's there's still a lot of uh, artists who who have risen and have uh, come from the Middle East. I mean, most of these would be uh, of Egyptian descent or uh, of Lebanese descent. Um, and you're thinking this this can be taken back, you know, way back from the very beginning. I guess I guess around the 40s and 50s. Uh, and then later on in the 60s and 70s is when uh, Omar Sharif as an actor would, uh, would, uh, would, would appear in foreign movies in, in this case, uh, in, in uh, Lawrence Western of Arabia. movies. Lawrence of Arabia. Well, who was it? Uh, Lawrence of Arabia was uh, uh, Anthony Quinn. Was he in the Lawrence of Arabia? He was, he was Lawrence. Yeah, he played Lawrence. Was... Anthony Quinn. He's a British we actor. Have, we have the interwebs. I can use... Uh, There's some uh, Spanish movies, Italian movies that uh, Omar uh, Sharif has been in. But then again, it, I think in this case it will be an example of how Omar Sharif is some sort of a polyglot in a sense. But uh, I think the main question was whether or not uh, a, a language can be interpreted in, in a musical sense and which dialect would, would have uh, its most appeal. Um, to me, I think I've, I've always... considered Egyptian as a dialect and accent uh, was the most musical considerably because many of the uh, the words and the and the sentences in the mean of context would would just essentially work you know you can almost make up any sentence in, in Egyptian and actually have it work within context yeah. as opposed to Jordanian which I personally feel is is more I don't want to say guttural I want to say heavier on the ear But that's not the case when, when, when you know, I've, I've spoken to many Egyptian friends and uh, uh, acquaintances and they would 
almost argue that the Jordanian accent sounds easier than 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 that of uh, the Egyptian accent, which is a total yeah. Like so, yeah, it's fun. It's it's also regionally in Jordan uh, different, very different. Which accent you're using? Karaki will uh, from Karak is like Divish Akhtar. It's more heavy. There's also uh, when I was in college, I remember when I was linking up and starting to become closer with my uh, friend who grew up in Sudan. He was speaking Sudani. That um, he wouldn't understand my Arabic much, my Jordanian. So I was like, oh, theirs looks like Egypt, sounds like Egyptian. So I'm going to switch to Egyptian. And I speak, you know, the semi well Egyptian. Because of the movies and music we're exposed to, you know, from a young age. And uh, it worked. And then uh, we went and had lunch with a friend who is, I think, Ethiopian French was one of them. But he was like listening to us and we're like ranting and, you know, we're just messing with each other in Arabic. (laughs) And he's like, everyone was asking like, what language are you speaking? And then we said Arabic. They were surprised like, whoa, because we... We would recognize Arabic, you know, in the streets and stuff, but it doesn't recognize ours as Arabic. Because maybe it sounded less, he said, that sounded less harsh. Because I was doing a mix of Jordanian and, and, and Egyptian, and he was speaking Sudani. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I can almost imagine the dialogue, uh, the conversation. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're always just messing around with each other, uh, you know. Yeah. So so even even when we were trying to be aggressive because we were aggressively threatening each other <laughs> they were like still doesn't sound like the arabic that we think we know. <laughs> yeah. Thing is with that uh you know whenever you ask a foreigner how does a foreigner meaning a foreigner foreigner to me which would be a western person right a person coming in from a western country um the question would be, uh, you know, how does Arabic sound to you uh, at first glance uh, mm-hmm. or at first listen in this case? And because usually what the expectation for me would be, ah, it sounds like you two are fighting. You t- it sounds like it's aggressive. Yeah. Uh, because I've heard that before from people, right? And I mean, of course, uh, this is the general consensus. <laughs> this is the general stereotype that Arabic sounds uh, aggressive. Or, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it just sounds like in terms of having a conversation, it's just as improper as it may get. Uh, but then again, you know, I think of how, I think of the style of de- delivery, like how people would assume a conversation should sound like, right? Because, I mean, it's the same thing for me. It feels, I could say the same thing about, uh, Deutsch uh, about uh, German being spoken, right? I mean, um, oh. I know bits and pieces, right? I, I very, very little. My German really is shit. But then again, uh, whenever I hear it being spoken, it sounds it sounds the same. It sounds like uh, yeah, this is an uncivilized conversation. Uh, <laughs> then again, it's it's because of my idiocracy. It's because of my uh, lack of knowledge and lack of. Uh, uh, yeah, universally agreed upon that German is, is aggressive. <laughs> I mean, it says enough that they're what they the, what they they call a butterfly, 
just supposed to be something gentle and beautiful is a schmetterling, which is like someone who who was like a prisoner of war. You know, like, that's what it sounds like. Schmetterling. <laughs> schmetterling. And like, what else? It was like, I'm going to look this up while you talk. It's like German words <laughs> compared. I'm sure I'll find like a list of all these things that I found where they show the, the, the word in all the other yeah. languages and then how you say it in German. Yeah, yeah how German sounds in comparison I to other languages. You, I want you to look this up, really, because I asked some German friends and German uh, uh, people I was working with about... There was this thing I had seen. Uh, usually it's just like a couple of clips from, from uh, different places in the world where, uh, you know, you'd see a clip for... Uh, a clip with someone in Korea, right? And then, you know, uh, a little cat would, uh, would, would pass by and then they would go like... Or yeah. someone in, in, in Amman or something, right? And they would go like... And Germans would go... And there's a German word for, for that, which apparently they don't use, but but then again, you know, it's, it's been widely accepted as the thing for calling a cat. Please look it up. I don't... I, uh, a cat? A really oh, yeah, calling a cat? How German... Calling a cat... Cat calling in German or in Deutsch? Cat calling is something else again. Well, it's the same. It's a, so wait, hold on. Is that what they say to women as well then? When they're cat calling women and that's why I like... And then I wonder and I have to compare like, you know... Yeah, no. <laughs> Man, let me see. Well, PC culture help. in Thailand not to do that anymore, I guess. Unless you're Italian or Mediterranean, then you can pass. 100% <laughs> it still happens. <laughs> Listen, to all the German artists out there, we've just closed collaborations <laughs> with you. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> I owe you all, all the love and respect to my German friends. I mean, having worked with them, terrific, fantastic. Yeah, you have a lot of relationships in, in, in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually never had anticipated that, but uh, it happened. And, and I, I, was, I am now more than happy to have uh, done a couple of musical projects with with some phenomenal phenomenal people. Um, of course, we're we're joking around here, but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I had never really anticipated it is because. Um, you mean working with the Germans? Yeah, and specifically with with music, is because the only thing I had thought of in terms of music being made, uh, German music, if you may, is is this very experimental and like glitchy slash. <laughs> Uh, uh, like super fast and super techno yeah. sound, which I don't personally enjoy. It's right? also where, like, I mean, that's the thing. Techno is, um, and electronic music just in general is conceived and it's still in its infancy phases and stages because everyone starts over there and there is enough venues to incorporate everyone. And then once they refine their style, they start moving it to other places, taking it. On tour, essentially, I think. I might be wrong, you know. Uh, but so, yeah. I I thought that was the general thing that was happening. I think that was the, the the their main goal is to really just go for that type of music. But I was considerably wrong because, uh, yeah, not only do you get huge some huge diversity in terms of the music that they make and the music that they enjoy and listen to, but also, you know. Yani, as as any other uh, uh, culture, they also have uh, their very uh, input in terms of. I mean, you're thinking Germany had had created 
huge advance in terms of music ever since Bach was composing from, you know, uh, sacred music for, you know, music for the mass, sure. or music for the church, yeah. up until late romanticists, you know, um, 18th century romanticists, and then Germany had its, its very peak. And ever since, I, I would like to believe that they would become, they would like to split in terms of uh, uh, creating music, you know, they, they would like to become the hipsters. Although, you know, oh, uh, Amsterdam, good. the hipster town of Europe at the time, you know, in terms of Renaissance and onwards. Yeah, uh, and but maybe Berlin is like the, in um, what do you call it? The alternative community. That's what it is. So, so Berlin has its own kind of sound. And then the entirety of Germany has, has all the other diversity that is yeah. happening. Yeah. But then again, I do know I haven't visited Berlin. I would love to. But uh, that's all I, you know, that's all I would hear about Berlin is that, you know, it's. <laughs> it is a very predominantly available market. Like when we were looking at your tour dates, like the time we were doing the European tour uh, bookings, like there's so much that um, wouldn't take you because they were only looking for DJs, you know? This is so much, like so many venues that even venues you wouldn't think yeah, yeah, would incorporate that music by their aesthetic uh, look. <laughs> That's a double by the aesthetic and look is the same, <laughs> but okay. Um, but uh, they would still be the ones that take uh, electronic artists, uh, not electronic artists, because you I consider like somewhat an electronic artist as well, but you know, you know what I mean, like DJs, the yes, techno yeah. DJs and stuff. Like they would take those, even venues where it would be like an old theater where you think it smells like oatmeal and old wood, it's still going to be like, you know, DJs. And modern techno, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Just the the like that west side of Western Europe, and up until I would say Central Europe, where you reach Prague, you know, because that's a very big musical hub. It's all predominantly electronic music uh, that has progressed in different phases and is in different phases of it, you know. And oh yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's it's true. like. Each country, each time you go more towards the east, yeah, east, <laughs> that's then uh, the sound changes slightly, slightly, slightly. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a, uh, you know, if that, uh, going east, I feel it's it, at one point it's, you know, you're working with a linear formation, a linear, uh, uh, you know, ascension or descension. But then again, I think there's this there's this, this swoosh, uh, a big drop in terms of uh, how how things are starting to sound like. Because I think when you get to places like Eastern Europe, like uh, uh, I would say Serbia, and uh, uh, um, what was it? Because uh, I met a couple of artists in on the way to you. Because I was uh, yeah picking up a couple of trains uh, <laughs> from. On my way to visiting you in Amsterdam, I would meet this uh, this guy who was a musician, and he would actually come and introduce himself uh, because I was holding a lot of equipment, and he offered to help me out. And with that, we started talking, and, and we got to know each other, uh, exchanged some contacts. This guy is from Serbia, and he he told me that he was uh, in a band, and they would play uh, punk jazz. With some elements, with yeah. some Serbian elements, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we still think of Poland for some reason. Polish have a lot Poland of for, 
And the, pol- the Polish and their punk rock is still a huge thing. And uh, apparently, these guys would uh, would not even rehearse, so they would actually have their shows booked, and they would go there <laughs> separately as separate entities, and they would just rejoice on stage. And again, that's that's one big factor that uh, that helps them. I think it's uh, the jazz factor. You know, it's all improv. But then again, jazz. You're thinking jazz and punk. I'm think. I mean, <laughs> I if I were to be in a punk band, I, I at least need to know, you know, some sort of progression for the song. I need to know which key we're playing in, right? Just uh, a lot of sevens <laughs> notes distorted and heavily like power corded. That's what you. Yeah, <laughs> power chords. Power chording jazz music sevens notes, sevens chords. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. But also, well, essentially, it also does sound like white as hell. To be honest, it's wild. It's wild. It's um. How do you say this? It's uh, untamed. Which is, I mean, in 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 their case, is the aesthetic. I mean, it ser- it serves their purpose. It, ser- it serves that purpose, right? Yeah. Create that genre. Yeah. It works. But it's yeah. interesting moving moving further to the east towards the east how how music would actually sound a uh, change in terms of how it sounds and in terms of structure and form I think it's phenomenal I think uh, music is really the, uh, the the universal language for us all um, and and it's just great man it's it's that's that's why we're moving to a like I think sorry I'm sorry, I was saying it's endless. It does not end. Yeah, it is anymore. endless because now, as you were saying, there's so many ideas. Like even just us talking now, there's a lot of ideas that are popping in my head. Like I was thinking even in the beginning, as wild as it sounds, like, man, Nidu should make an album where you have collabs with artists with all these different indig- indigenous languages, <laughs> you know, stuff oh. like that. That would be something interesting. That's great. Right? Yeah. If we're actually going to end up doing this, I'm going to cut this out, you know, like <laughs> this is, this is uh, confidential. No, but I'm thinking... We're moving into like a collaboration culture now with music, right? Like I feel especially, uh, and ah, it's even post, even pre-COVID, like, you know, uh, because of the internet probably opening so many doors and you discover artists you would have never met anyway back in the day if it was uh, before the internet. Um, that people are becoming also a lot less selfish about their work and realizing there's so much I don't know and I can, I can learn. Uh, so, you know, and overlapping fan bases you know through through uh, featuring people on your on your album and i mean how i'm asking these questions even though i know how do you choose your collaborations these days because i thought it would be nice oh, actually to reflect on like how we started working together and things were working on thought processes that go on in your heads when I, we talk about your work and yeah I think it's a thematic approach towards um, towards having someone collaborate with you on something, um, because then again, you know, with the with, with the the internet being uh, our, our huge uh, our number one catalyst in this in this case, um, I think there are many ways you can collaborate with people. So it's not it doesn't necessarily need to uh, revolve around musical collaboration as opposed to really collaborating within. Uh, the you know uh, visual visual art and you know yeah. visual content uh, spreading the workload. Uh, dance, I'm thinking uh, lyricists who would write in different uh, composers, also uh, mixing engineers. All 
so many, so many, you know, I would assume all the fields, all fields of all disciplines within the arts world, you know, it's, it's now, it's not, you know, the internet has, has become um, a melting pot for all of these uh, disciplines and uh, for every artist to actually be able to, to collaborate in a digital sense. Again, a bigger question for me would be, you know, whether or not, so right now we have the accessible and readily, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the readiness of uh, sharing stuff over the internet. But then again, if we were to take it back, uh, be able to, would we be able to access and be able to collaborate without the use of internet and without the use of any external... Oh, bro, like, you know, um, this go takes me back to this interview I did with... Uh... At, at ADE with uh, Nick Warren, who was uh, solo, but used to be the DJ of Massive Attack. Um, the, the, and, and he oh, said, yeah. like, I asked him, because he, he grew up, I think, in the early 80s, when electronic music was just an un- underground thing. And they would get so much work. He said there's, like, this small community of DJs that would get so much work just because they were the people with the record collection. That's what he said. That's how it started. They had the record collection because it was all physical. Yeah. And they were always, yeah, yeah. they were so obsessive, they'd go... You know, here, like, uh, find even vinyl records that there's maybe three copies of ever and mix that in with something else. <laughs> and um, they were like, yeah, that's, that's, that's convenient, you know? It's convenient to have the guys that have all the music and just play whatever you want at our show. So You can watch many of these. But this is, I think, this is how genuine these, are, these DJs have uh, really... Uh, DJs and producers, and, uh, in a sense, would be... Um, yeah, how genuinely um, in, influenced and and uh, invested these producers have been uh, in the past, I would say, twenty years, thirty years, maybe even more. I'm sure uh, because it's uh, you know it, it spans across the past few few decades. And I was in a com- I was uh, having this conversation about uh, one particular DJ, uh, Carl Cox. And yeah. uh, my friend, a friend of mine, would uh, would tell me about a documentary or uh, some sort of setup that he has seen, uh, a live set. And then he would he would only he would not talk about the music, but rather he would talk about the the uh, the venue or the place that that uh, Carl Cox was playing at. And it was I think it was at his home, um, and it was at this library, huge monumental place mm. filled with at least. Two million. Uh, it was like with like uh, how do you say shelves, right? Books, Fully yeah. stacked with vinyl records and phonographic records, and it's just like how. First of all, how do you get the money to collect yeah. <laughs> such 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 uh, you know a uh, uh, large group of, of of works? And then again, do you really do you really use all of these? Do you really sample all of these records? Have you listened to every single record there is? Of course not. Course not. I mean, they know people are. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you just pick up a bunch of stuff though, uh, as well, and maybe one day you'll get to it. But a lot of half the time you probably don't. I mean, you have a big record collection that you probably haven't heard a lot of them, and it's not even that huge to, to that extent. You know, like. But you, but you know, you never know. You might hear one one day, like ah, this is interesting. I mean, put it in, and then you create some music around it um wait how, how do you usually go about 
doing mm-hmm. that if you want to create get inspired by an old piece of music like a like a vinyl record you found or because to, to explain like Nairuz has and correct me if I'm wrong uh, inherited a lot of records right and yes a lot of them have, are from very region specific in Europe around Europe and around the world actually but very region specific very local artists like the underground artists or uh, what do you call them starting artists you have nowadays but so from back I in the day the... Mm. it's like yeah, soundcloud I mean, artists listen, uh, from decades ago <laughs> yeah, essentially <laughs> Indie artists I from decades say, ago. So, I don't know. <laughs> no, SoundCloud artists have a very big stigma on them. I yeah. can't go about saying it because because you don't want <laughs> you don't want that term Spotify uh, uh, SoundCloud artist to be in any sense used in a pejorative sense, right? As a pejorative term. Uh, but then again, listen, he, uh, yeah, I did inherit this. Um, collection of, of records from my father my father used to study uh, he studied in uh, spain and he used to live in uh, uh U- the uk and spain and yeah many of the artists uh would be like you're thinking julio iglesias you're thinking uh, rocio docal uh, you're thinking uh, bands like um it, uh what's his name uh, cream eric clapton's cream mm. We know that uh, one track. Yeah. I'm with you, my friend. Yeah. 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 That track. I'm trying to be low. <laughs> so uh, or when uh, when the um, so when the pandemic first broke out, and this was uh, last year, March last year, I uh, I I saw it after uh, sampling some of these. Uh, vinyl records um, and I was very happy to actually have uh, received uh, I had I had ordered from Amazon these uh, these uh, adapters <laughs> like little circular uh, plastic bits that you'd apply to because I have uh, the smaller um, the smaller vinyls uh, the ones that go on uh, 45 rpm that's what they call it so they have they had a bigger hole <laughs> so I had uh, uh, extensions uh, adapters. And it was it was great practice for me to like, well, first of all, to actually get to listen to this uh, beautiful quality of, you know, you're thinking back then, the, the idea of music making was much more authentic, I feel. It was, it was uh, at least more skillful. What's man? Than, it's mechanical. Feels like you yeah. are doing with your hands more. That's true. It's and like again, I know, see it, sorry, just as a uh, if the difference between driving a automatic or like a like a mechanical car or like a Porsche or like a Ferrari with the engine and everything, rather than a Tesla or a hybrid like a Prius or something. <laughs> Where it's a cool car, but like you don't awesome. feel that power. You don't not doing as much with your hand with your hands, you know. And it, and it left. Uh, uh, um less room for error for for any uh, mistakes because yeah. yeah. back in the day you'd have to be at the studio and record everything like on spot you know and if you were to make a mistake then it's costly man you've already wasted some tape some actual physical tape i'm with you still and you don't want to do that uh you know as opposed to now where you have the, the, the you know 
you know, we have the, we have some good uh, softwares that we can use, you know, digitally we can edit and amend and move things back and forth. We can, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can, you can go about creating anything you want. Um, of course, with the addition of, of having such uh, samples from back in, you know, uh, returning go back to to, to uh, older tracks and older uh, music bits that were created uh, in different formats. Now we can play and uh, edit and you know use them. You know, actually, uh, I've always wondered about this public domain kind of thing. It's like, uh, mm. so whether or not a certain type of music had. Uh, because what's the what is it? Is it? Uh, I think I think right now it will be uh, music from the sixties. I think it's like if 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 a piece of music was created before nineteen sixty four or nineteen sixty two, you it's now yeah, in the pre use. Oh, which is awesome! I'm gonna start doing my intros with that music, man, because <laughs> uh, garage rock is one of my favorite genres there is. And then you're talking about like the Chuck Berries of the world as well, and. You know, I used to host, um, not host, I used to have a host on the platform of, uh, what's it called, um, the Brimmers, it was the drum- drummer of the Brimmers and stuff like that music you guys got to look up. That would be, I yeah. I actually don't know this uh, group. The, the, the Brim, what was it? Hold on. The Brimmers. The Brimmers. With a Y, the Brimmers. Mm. Like, uh, scary. It's very like uh, surf rockish, you know, but like gritty. Uh, it's what it's like the punk rock movement, but of the of the f- late fifties, early sixties, all the way up until the late fifties, I think. No, the late uh, late sixties, and it's what you would hear in aesthetically. Like if you would have to put a movie on it, maybe Fast Times at Ridgemont High would be more of a that type of people, you know, if I had to put a, a mo- like a visual on it, yeah. That guy was. Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, actually, like uh, last, this week, this past week, um, I was doing this exercise with my students where I would, because we're talking about uh, music for entertainment, music for movement, and music mm. for dramatic uh, 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 impacts, or again, also music for a film. And one of the exercises was uh, for them to uh, pick out a scene from a movie and especially a scene with, with some background music and, and some music uh, that has, to, that, that, you know, a scene that has music in it. And then uh, the exercise was for them to actually pick a different track and place it over the original um, oh, uh, yeah. scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then, you know, have this kind of, uh, you know, compare and contrast. Bro. Uh, and, and you'd be fascinated with like how <laughs> you know we have we have such a huge well, library now as a humanity to pick yeah. any sound and, and and make it work. Well you can show someone context. like a neutral scene, an ambiguous scene from any movie they haven't watched, and then you can find out how they perceive that scene. How what feelings they get with it. And this is very interesting because I did a research project once and during my bachelor's, which was on uh, the feeling, yeah, how, how mu- music changes your perception of a scene. 
So we picked out this video. This was really cool, actually, because I wish I could find the music again, as I composed like most of it. I composed specifically, I was really proud of the horror track that I made. So we had the scene of a woman walking down uh, the woods, and it wasn't even too dark of, of woods, and she loses her scarf, and she's chasing after it. And that scene, we had different sample groups of people. One with like a more comedic uh, uh, track, one is like dramatic, one is romantic, and one is horror. And we had like this questionnaire where like, what did you feel here? Blah, blah, blah. Like you, you try to capture their emotions. And then for a horror, at some point, there was like this climax of the song building up. And then this shot just changes to a shot of the sky with the trees. And the, you see the trees, you know? And as soon as that happened, that's when the drop was of the song. And you heard one of the girls in the in the sample group yell like, ah! <laughs> and there was nothing. And there's such a vast different response of like what music does to an ambiguous scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many scenes, iconic scenes in movies would have been absolute fucking garbage <laughs> with, with, with the wrong music? Pick out an entire soundtrack for a movie. For a movie that, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's also interesting because um, I feel I feel for I feel a lot for for uh, people who actually need to have this decision, you know, to make the decision for what kind of soundtrack does this film have, uh, whether it's an original written an originally written uh, soundtrack for it or not. But maybe maybe in a sense, an original score would be easier uh, than that of choosing. Uh, uh, specific songs for them, unless there's one lyrical um, a hint, you know, yeah. in in a song that that would you know be very uh, how do you say it? would function very well within the scene. And I think Quentin Tarantino is one of those uh, writers and filmmakers who would actually pick out the best soundtracks and the best songs for each scenes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, I think it's a hard process to curate curate a soundtrack for most definitely for, for each scene in, in 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 films. I mean, depending on the film, of course, and depending on what's happening. But uh, I I mean, if it was me, I feel like it would take me ages. I, I would finish the movie in no time, but it really, would take me ages to to figure out which uh, yeah. which song would be would would fit better. Yeah, the amount of times that I'm sitting in the train and the song comes up and I was like thinking this would be perfect for this thing we shot is crazy. But then you can't then you can't use it. And I wish I had the budget to, you know, <laughs> hire someone to curate it. I was just having this conversation maybe even yesterday or two days ago. When did I call Nestor? Nestor is a brilliant like film score composer that I know. Um he was like, every every time we talk about a project, he's like, Yeah, yeah that was decent, like, but the music. The song, the score sucks, you know, like, yeah. So he starts looking at different things depending on his work. And we realize how few projects nowadays, especially when you look at streaming platforms like Netflix, uh, put any attention into doing an original score. Because there's like, I go on the soundtrack of these things when I find a song that I liked and I want to find out what it's what it's called. I go to the Spotify, to the soundtrack of this movie or series. Mm. And then maybe like... Only a few, three, four tracks are like original film score of this show, whatever it is. And like that's way too little. That's way too little. Uh, that used to be like a whole movie or a series would be almost fully scored. And now it's just 
eh, we couldn't find the exact music for this one scene, so let's score that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, maybe it's a more... Yeah, I think you've got a more eclectic approach towards uh, curating sounds now. Um, as opposed to the commercial to the commercial merchant, right? Someone who is producing something solely for the purpose of... Uh, the musical car salesman. And... Yeah. Musical car salesman. <laughs> musical car salesman. <laughs> That's the kind of uh, agent that wears the, that suit the, the all day. Like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, when I see what that, I like feel heavy metal is playing. <laughs> Imagine the heavy metal playing when you see that thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. It's like the ghost in the machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody shows respect to those people. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in the ghost? In yeah. ghosts? Hmm. I'm in and out with it. I'm on the fence no, with it. Not... I haven't met too many of them. What? I'm not asking you if you believe in ghosts. I, I was wondering if you believe in the ghost inside the machine. Mm. In a sense where, you know, electronics and robots and inter- artificial intelligence would have a sort of entity, not an entity, a soul of some sort. Does machines have a soul? Uh, an understanding, uh, some sort of... No. Yeah, it's like... Do you? I'll tell you. I mean, <laughs> machines. It's an interesting to... topic. Really, because I, I mean, I entertain the idea. I like to think that there is one. And then you know, at times it, it just uh, very specific. At very specific times, that it likes to fuck with me. But <laughs> generally, I don't. But it's just like sometimes you know, I'm creating. Uh, you know, it's, it, it would be countless hours of me sitting on a computer and, and, and just uh, hearing something over and over again or uh, adding more layers and textures in terms of sound. And uh, I, would, uh, I would assume that everything is working fine in terms of the processors until this very moment where the computer crashes, right? And then it says, it's just like a oh, like that. huge green screen where it's just like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Fuck, and, yeah. You know, it's reset every day <laughs> and you're, you know your heart freezes you're you're wondering whether or not uh, the entirety of your project has gone and drafted um uh, so yeah that's that's precisely when i start to believe that there's this uh <laughs> ghost in the machine trying to say something to me <laughs> i mean give me a break science from the universe <laughs> yeah no i i feel you but I think you're you just you're just tired <laughs> at that point. You start thinking these things. <laughs> you're just tired. I was, I don't think I was not tired. Technically, <laughs> I mean, look at it, if you look at it in a way that <clears throat> machines are actually modeled after real life things, right? And, and living things and and humans and you know like robots somewhat have human elements in the sense that they have the brain, the bloodstream, the nervous system, all that. Surely. Like when I think of a surgeon. I think of a mechanic, <laughs> but a mechanic for the flesh, right? So in that sense, I guess it does have this. Although the soul is the one thing that does the soul come from wow. the nervous system? Does that thing? mean? <laughs> because here, here's my here's my theory. Then, if we're really going into your like assumption of you know 
some mechanical things and uh, apparatus having having salt or having you know having a life what the the a, a machine or a computer or something turns on when you put power in it it's that electrical current what does that for humans it's the nervous system is our electrical current or our brain is the thing that really keeps us alive i guess and awake and aware <laughs> is the soul in the nervous system or in the brain Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was I was thinking more towards uh, consciousness and whether or not, uh, you know, a robot. But that's in the be... nervous system. That's in the brain. Is it? Consciousness is in the brain. Yeah, it is. Yeah, part of the... Uh, is it in I think the it's more metaphysical at this point. It's, it's, more, it's, more, it's got to do with metaphysics. No one has ever really uh, um, described what so, a soul really means. It's just this... Uh, this introspective idea of uh, us having a, a, a remote understanding to our uh, hmm. then the soul is also I feel like a soul part of the soul is like a, just a collective uh, of experiences a collection of uh, experiences we've had and um, you know like if I would replace mine with the uh, the part of the brain that has memories and experiences in it you manage to transfer that to someone else, I think they would be me. Just that part of the brain. Like, you take that, they're me now. We are just like a... Like a, a bundle of experiences that we've been through and, and memories. Like, that's... Yeah. That might be the yeah, deepest thing I've ever said. <laughs> deepest conclusion I've ever drawn in life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't even gotten into well, the good I, shit yet, man. This is just a beer. I agree. But speaking I of which, let's get this uh, party started over here. <laughs> yeah. I am advocating uh, sobriety. I'm having a glass of water right now. Very dull and boring, but it's good for your body. Good for the soul, too. Hey? Mm. Well, I did that all week. I think. <laughs> That's... <laughs> No, but yeah. We don't have just so you know. Ah, you want to learn Arabic, we can learn Arabic. Come on, come on. Why? Because I want to learn everything but برضه Empire but it's, it's alienating come on is it alienating okay yeah. I mean but yeah I mean I can do whatever I want now <laughs> yeah I am trying to reach uh, more of a you know but it's funny because now I'm, I'm talking to like entities in the Middle East who really want me to you know I want to make content for Arab more and that's why I'm doing interviews more with Arab but there are people I'm not going to mention names of brands but that that are looking for like arabs doing an english show so you know what do i do you have to figure it I out i think i think it's uh it isn't in any way counterproductive i feel it, it will add um substance uh one that is different of course because it's um it's spoken and it's it's being delivered in a different language mm-hmm. 
And, um, but then again, I feel like there is, I, I don't feel, I know that there's a big, big audience, you know, a big Arabic audience, or uh, audience from and different demographics, of course, because uh, you're thinking what, uh, Arabs in the diaspora, you know, people who are, uh, no, so- in, you know, have migrated to the parts of the world uh, that are, you know, are English speaking parts of the world. Uh, but then again, you know, it's, it's, they still want to hear their language, right? I mean, they still want to hear um, content that is being produced mm, in Arabic. They want to follow, as so far as I know, from what I've experienced, people who look like them and, uh, and have similar values to them. Um, probably also, they want to hold on to their uh, roots by following people in those regions you know and in that way staying culturally connected to to their roots but uh they uh, oftentimes uh lack the language or they sometimes don't even speak the language or aren't as competent in the language as these people are that's where it gets tricky and dicey i think i think because you don't uh... know like yeah i mean you you can get a big following of uh arabs living in the netherlands for example from the promos i do and then, um, but they then want you to speak at least mostly English. Because otherwise, maybe they won't follow everything you're saying, you know. Especially also because of the level of dialects that we were talking about in the beginning. Uh, you know, a lot of people might only know that one dialect because that's what their parents taught them. And they didn't necessarily learn Arabic other any other way. So they don't understand Arabic uh, from Jordan if they're speaking Moroccan or... Tunisian. Let me, yeah, man. In terms of that, can I add something? And it's uh, it's one thing that I had. Uh, I just want to really <laughs> have some sense of feedback because I feel like, um, so growing up, uh, I would we would watch. It was like you remember Star Academy? Yeah. Or, you remember Star Academy? Yeah, it's <laughs> Very cringeful. <laughs> so Star Academy. For those who don't know, well, maybe you want to describe it to people. Because to me, what I the way I remember it, it was like a American Idol meets Big Brother, where it's yes. like, oh, it's all these artists that are that are shit, honestly, living in a house. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far to call it that. Listen, what it is is that I, think I don't know. Was I was a child. About it. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining, nonetheless. But it was it was just uh, this uh, um uh, this very. Uh, you know, like uh, they had covered a deep dive into uh, it was almost like a reality show where you know we're supposed to feel for uh, for those um, participants and really get connected with them. You know, in terms of what they do during the day and how they sleep and what they eat and who they communicate with and what they how they interact with each other. Uh, so that was the entertaining part. I am actually not. I. I actually don't remember much of the music that was being produced. Regardless, though, I remember one thing. It was like that, you know, Star Academy or Superstar or Arab Idol. I remember whenever someone from, um, uh, you know, North Africa, uh, you know, like uh, Tunisia, for example, or Morocco, especially Morocco, that they would have them speak and present whatever they want to say in Arabic. And then they would have subtitles underneath. And I always thought, 
I mean, sure, it helped me understand the matter because I, I never really, to this day, I don't really understand Moroccan very well. It's super hard for me to yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, might as well, <clears throat> I might as well understand whatever French word they're saying put in the Arabic sense. Uh, but then, you know, they used to, to, to have that uh, caption. They used to really, uh, you know, you'd, you'd read the subtitles and understand what they would say. And the subtitles would be in Arabic. Uh, and, and one notion that I would... Uh, see you know uh right around two, two you know 2020 and nowadays is that uh that as an aesthetic has become more more and more prominent in, in our works where you know you have a lebanese song or an egyptian song and you know being sung and you know in the, within the music video they'd have they'd have captions for each uh, lyric um and i think it's uh it's like music video meets a lyric video kind of thing. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's all new. I mean, it wasn't. This wasn't really uh, valid up until very recently. It wasn't very used, um, unless it was something that. Uh, but again, I think it, I think the idea of this is because, you know, we're meant to, uh, you know, any artist, uh, especially from the Arabic, in the MENA region and uh, the. Arab world, we'd uh, we'd really like to have the sentences uh, clearly stated out, stated and uh, being able to be interpreted in in the Arabic form. Also, I think is do you think in in in, in Arabic music? And I haven't thought about this yet, but um, we put a lot more importance on lyrics than you know. Let's say English music. I would say we are still a bit more conservative when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know uh, writing for music, uh, writing um, lyrics. Um, more and more, I would see uh, some liberty being uh, being shown in the hip hop movement and and the rap scene. I think now they're they're more liberal with some you know with distinct usages of words and 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 profanity and uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is you know like street talk or street slang, yeah. uh, and it reflects it reflects uh, it reflects you know that that kind of um, community and it reflect that kind of uh, um, well it's a, it's it's, it's, slang, it's right? yeah I think hip hop was always about. Uh... Well, all music is about self-expression, but hip-hop was uh, about a different group of people uh, expressing themselves more rebelliously towards their background. No, they're representing their background, but they're more rebellious towards where they are now, maybe. Towards an oppressor, you know? I mean, yeah, it towards some sort of it. Could be anything. It can be interpreted in many, in many, many yeah. ways. You know, it could even just be um, a guy. Like a guy like yeah, so dude. Just, it could be an institution. It could be anything, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's what, what, uh, what, what. No, it's not what punk rock used to be, but it's like, in a way, the the size of the punk rock movement and the cultural relevance of it, also in terms of fashion and everything, has now translated into becoming hip hop. Now that's hip hop. You know. And the roots yeah. are the same. It comes from a place of rebellion. Yeah. To answer your question, I would say that yes, it's uh, you know th- there has been there has been uh, there has been 
some sort of uh, uh, um, progression, if I mean, mm. progression or, or, or uh, uh, some sort of change where, uh, yeah, lyrics have become more, more and more colloquial. Um, but then again, it would still be, uh, I would still say it, it's still, it's still around the conservative, uh, yeah, it's still a bit more conservative than anything else. Like, you know, if we were to take a translate, transliteration or like if we were to translate, uh, I mean, I people in Arabic are, um, they're more scared when they're, 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 you know, singing or put, making their lyrics Arabic, writing them down in Arabic to fully express themselves. I think. Why would you say so? Because there's a lot of cultural restrictions that come with it. And uh, there's a lot of... No, people are uber critical because of the differences in morals when it comes to... Here's how I see it. In, the, in, 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 in Western music, like our music in the Middle East is also progressing. And a lot of the sounds there and trends that are being created are based on those in the West and stuff when you're talking about advancement and modernization of music and art. But um, in terms of lyrics and self-expression and that part of it, society will still completely criticize uh, and, and sort of impose their own morals on that. So you're trying to advance one thing but not the other, whereas they're so, both supposed to be in sync, right? I don't know. Truly, uh, it's like, yeah, you're just changing the tune behind it. But it, for me, the best projects are always like very well directed in a way that when you're listening to... And this is not for all music. There's all kinds of music, but especially the deeper ones, the deeper projects where it's supposed to be deeper. Um, a whole musical production, and you know this, is supposed to be formulated around the lyrics as well. There's a lot of those kinds of songs that I that I always enjoy when the, this whole song or a whole album was made as a, as a movie or as a series. But that doesn't really... It really limits you when you can't say certain things in your lyrics... But 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 your music around it is incorporating that. You know what I mean? I'm trying to say like. I see, and then I also see that uh, that whenever you know, uh, whenever some whenever a piece of music, whenever uh, you know, a song is being published, that it will have uh, different responses, right? It will have different. Uh, it will have different feedback from different people because only because they, we have such um, a diversity in in in. Uh, in terms of accepting lyrical excellence uh, and whether or not we are uh, comparing the musical, the lyric in the music to that of, uh, of Arabic poetry. Uh, mm-hmm. As you may know, you know, we, we take pride in, in our Arabic language and in, in uh, the excellence and the beauty of, of how poetic it may be and how, you know, how your use of diction may may, may be very effortless sometimes, you know, uh, combining two different meanings within one, you know, you have this uh, very playful, uh, uh, poetic uh, extension of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas nowadays where I feel like uh, people are become, people as audiences and as creators have uh, become more liberal in a sense where they would just say whatever they want to say, um, much like a conversation they would have with with a friend, right? Or no, that, so that's not necessarily what I mean. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's a different genre of music. Where yeah, I mean, you mean you're you're losing the um, art of the language 
in uh, in in a lot of the new music that's coming out now uh, in the Middle East. I agree, but that yeah, because you're linking that to the fact that we have become more liberal in the sense of accepting uh, that language within the confines of the arts, right? So there are nuances all over. Yeah. And I mean, like what if you poetically want to express yourself about certain topics, like, I'm not even talking about political topics or something, but more about topics, personal relationships, about culture, about there's certain words you're not allowed to say, and it maybe sounds odd in in a poetic uh, ca- classical Arabic fusha setting, you know, in a poetic Arabic purist setting, that why do they sound weird? There, There are actual classical Arabic words that are in the dictionary, for example, but you're not allowed to say them because they have a certain cultural impact, you know? It's limiting, right? There's like, it's, there's there's a lot more limits because of, it's censorship is what it is, but there's a lot more censorship that doesn't allow you to fully exploit the beauty that is the Arabic language. With music and with the underground scene that is ever so growing, uh, I think, the you know, the question of, being restricted is no longer the, the case. Uh, we have a uh, vast liberty over, you know, we, again, the internet would give you this, this liberty to, to go about, say whatever you want, right? And then any altercations and any uh, uh, problems that would appear and arise from a certain thing that you would say, that would be a very subjective thing. Um, but then again, it's, oh man, it's, it's, it's super complex because you would mention you would mention a cultural, uh, uh, the cultural aspect to it, uh, towards, uh, or to the, the cultural consensus towards um, the some sort of the terminologies that might be used, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking people in in uh, the uh, from the Andalus, right, uh, mm-hmm. where you had people, you had uh, basically what Arabismo, Hija, where you would. Uh, You'll be hired as a poet to diss somebody, right? To disrespect someone. Oh, and, the old yeah, school battle that, rapper. Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. the, the battle rap of the Arab. But it's uh, like, uh, how fucking, if you have to pay someone to do a diss track for you, it's like, you already lost. <laughs> That's funny, right? Because it goes back and forth. Yeah. Because not only you go with you know you, you spit your uh, verse and then you quit and then uh drop the mic you don't drop yeah. the mic just uh <laughs> to, it's 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 uh i'm thinking i'm thinking those used to take months <laughs> because they'd correspond back and forth <laughs> with yeah, by letter. but how would they this yeah exactly they would just like they would send a letter i think uh look into uh, someone uh, a poet from the other uh, ibn nawas Abu Nawaz, Abu The influence of uh, the Arabs in Andalusia is very prevalent. Abu Nawaz. Abu? Abu Nawaz. Abu Nawaz. Andalusia. Abu Nawaz. Stealing everything. They're stealing huh? everything. The thousand-year-old lost Arab poetry that lives on in Hebrew. They steal everything. <laughs> oh, is that what's uh, it's being written now? That says in BBC. It's about Abu Nawaz. There's no reason to make this political. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure if that's uh, 100% correct. 
Not sure. I don't know. Some white guy probably wrote it. Hey, you. Benjamin Ram. What is he? Let's call him out. How about we... Let me see. Can you... Let's diss this guy. Journalist at BBC. Born in 1982. What does he know? What does he know? Born in 1980. Uh, he's... Uh... Yeah, we'll put him on the screen. Put up the BBC card. Do you think it would be good for the following to start a beef with the BBC journalist? We were mentioning that we want to start a beef with someone. Might, might as well be this guy. Yeah, right. I was thinking more in like, wait, which scene were we looking at? <laughs> Starting beefing. Who do we... Yeah, put in the comments who you want us to beef with. Put in the comments who you want us to beef with. <laughs> we'll, we'll start that. We'll do it very uh, articulately. We, will, uh, we, shall, we, shall, we shall use the arts. I'll and drop the power the of the diss over that in the in the <laughs> yeah what dropping a fire beat soon <laughs> stay tuned to the very diss of Benjamin yeah, yeah. <laughs> flames <laughs> flames <laughs> all these flames uh, hashtag you know, you hype know, yeah if you knew you knew you know I you start I start feeling old that when you see these trends coming up of TikTok music, not TikTok itself, but like music specifically made for TikTok. And you know that some of these artists are just making it for TikTok to uh-huh. get a like, good streaming and stuff. But I mean, like, bro, think about your future, friend. Isma, <laughs> listen. Where's the longevity? You're riding this little wave and you, it's, it's very easy to be, um, led astray by you know the 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 hype that is like a platform like tiktok or whatever and like following that trend but then your whole brand becomes that little trend and you think you're you're being um manipulated by the numbers that you're seeing and the millions you're seeing right as like a following Mm -hmm. not as money because there's not really millions in in cash and then suddenly that gets taken away from you when that hype is over and now you're just seen as that guy like, look at uh, Vine or, you know, how many of those people have ended up making it on YouTube because all of them went there. Whoever made it w- is huge now, but for the rest, they, they all died. Not really, but like, you know, their careers died. I, I have to disagree with you on some uh, some parts of that. The thing is, um, uh, uh, TikTok is generally now uh, conceived as the uh, the proprietor, uh, almost the... the uh, the the leading vine right the new vine um and it feels like okay so the trick towards that you know for for you not to really die within the scene is to just really keep on producing more and more content and you know, short clips and music for that and you never know which which of these would actually pick up you know it's not like you have this one particular idea in mind and you're like oh okay this will absolutely be perfect for tiktok you know it might be but in reality you know, people might not be able to use it. I mean, people might, might not use it at all. No, like, I'm talking uh, like specifically about like, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm talking about art and music artists who, you know, they create their music specifically for TikTok. And it's happening more and more now where you're writing a hype of a, a type of music, maybe a genre. Um, you're, it's very, it's just made to be going viral on there for a certain period of time, you know? 
and it's uh, fine to gather a following like that. But I mean, if you really want to take your career seriously and you know, you want to grow as a as an artist and really become you take it seriously, become legitimate. I don't think you can really formulate your music just cater it for TikTok. That's that's the whole thing with the, with TikTok. It's not meant for. I mean, you can be serious on TikTok again, yes, but uh, I don't think that the, the the vast majority of people are there to be to. No, but I'm not talking about the vast majority. I'm just talking about those artists that are, you know, catering their music to TikTok. I think, in, in a sense, I'm trying to say that I want to be one of those artists, Nicola. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, if it's profitable. No, look, it's fine to, like, obviously, it's really good to exploit the, the algorithm and to use that, that platform. We don't grow on there. That's fine. But it's not like you're going to be catering your whole album on to, you know, yeah, to true. be TikTok, you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my whole album is going to be these 30 minutes. Seriously, it's not. It's like two-minute songs, three-minute songs that, like, that's fine. But then it's, like, three minutes, two-minute songs that are so repetitive that it's only about that little 10-second segment <laughs> that it's TikTok uh, viral, you know what I mean? Like, there's people who just do yeah, that. Right. And just following a certain thing. hype and in terms of... The entire of... world on TikTok, that's the thing, you know? You've got the entirety of the world and, you know, with every single person being able to post and the algorithm is crazy yeah I'm, I'm only i'm only still trying to figure out what the algorithm is all about. Listen, i'm gonna and- go on there and i'm gonna put these clips on there and then you're gonna help me promote it <laughs> that's how it's gonna so i'm definitely gonna make use of it i don't understand how it works but everyone is telling me the algorithm is crazy and it will you know definitely help with the reach oh yeah definitely big time but I'm saying, aside from outside of TikTok, you have to be versatile in in terms of you can adapt your brand or your work like within any model or any app or any you know next trend. Because that's what happened with Viners. However, you know it's like you either became huge on YouTube because you're just talented genuinely, or you just died because you were too platform dependent. Well, there are also some artists or people who would create a hype and, you know, eventually that thing would, would, so my example would be two days ago, I would see um, a post about this random post about uh, the creator of Neon Cat. You remember the Neon Cat? Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and they, they would uh, tag, you know, mention the, their their Instagram handle and say click on the guy and uh, the guy surprisingly has what like two hundred followers three hundred followers uh, so basically is this guy is unknown but he has created yeah. something that is that the entire uh, you know millennials uh, would relate to and know about so it's uh, I mean I think when we are to discuss such things I think uh, whether or not whether or not a trend dies it. I mean, eventually will die, of course. But there's there's a lifespan that is different. You know, there's other different life lifespans for different uh, memes and different uh, videos and different uh, yeah. ideas for this culture. I love it, man. I love yeah, it. It's, you it's, just need to be self aware of where you're going as a as a not you, but like. Are you with me? Oh yeah, because the video I got think, stuck. <clears throat> so I think the internet. I mean, maybe this is my closing. Those are my closing remarks on on such subject. I think the internet uh, had really been uh, evolving and uh, trying to understand. I mean, we're all we're all trying to understand how to communicate with each other on the internet. 
uh, and all the platforms really have changed numerously, numerous times. Uh, they would change their uh, terms of agreement, uh, sorry, t- terms and conditions, um, and, and for us to agree on on um, on, on some sort of uh, language or some sort of uh, behavior and a manner to, towards how and what to post and what to reply and what to say. Yeah. You know, all creating this idea of how we, were, we are allowed to use uh, uh, this technology. And I, I think I'm very proud to, be, to belong to my generation uh, because I think I know that I have, you know, started from the very beginning with all these uh, platforms, right? And yeah. yeah. I've, I've been a proud user of Facebook since 2007. Yeah. Oh, uh, thanks to. Can I give a shout out to uh, a friend of ours called uh, Vanna Abujude? Um, <laughs> she's the reason. She's the reason I was on Facebook in the very. You know um, that. You know who's the reason I'm on Facebook? You. <laughs> you were the reason that I was on Facebook. Oh, no so it's like it's from. So I guess it's Vanna, you, and then it's me. Banner, we created uh, it together. I remember exactly where it was. It was like in um in a IT class with Ms. Jumana. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I at that and time we were playing mini clip, you know. <laughs> I used to, yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Isma Hala Flash is uh no long no longer you can't use Flash anymore. Oh Flash. The Adobe to, those, Flash. Mm, to play those mini clip games. Yeah, apparently it's it's gone now. It's obsolete. It doesn't make sense, man. Why would they make something obsolete that's necessary to make something work? <laughs> like, you know? I mean, so those, those... It's, it still hurts for me to see Internet Explorer. Yeah, that's just like, give up, you know? <laughs> just give up. I don't <laughs> know the fuck people... And they try to, to like, push it down your throat. They're like, you're gonna get it! Take it! <laughs> Take that Internet Explorer! Here is the computer. It has Internet Explorer. What's the first no, thing? That, the only thing that, I've ever done on Internet Explorer in the last like ten years is use it to download Chrome or anything else. To download what? Oh, and then the, to download Chrome or anything else. <laughs> and then and then and now they try to rebrand into Microsoft Edge. I see what you're doing. I know. I still know what you are. It's like if my ex wears a different dress, he's still the same person. You know, like that's what it is. <laughs> it's camouflage, baby. Yeah. Or slip back into my life with that garbage. Come on, <laughs> coming straight at you. Yeah, you just because you wear a hat and a new wig, and you got that nose. No, no, no. <laughs> it's no. like this riddle with uh, with the patched sock. How many times? It's like uh, if you have a torn sock and you patch it, and then you know it keeps uh, being worn out, and you know you keep on patching it. Uh, how many times does it take? These are uh, repatching, right? Until until this very sock becomes an entirely different sock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it makes. Yeah, it's like. No, yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, so at some point, you say at some point, Internet Explorer in the like third, fourth, fifth rebrand, it's gonna suddenly be used again. Yeah, I won't become Internet Explorer no more, except for the fact that it actually is. So there's the conundrum. They just need to release a console, maybe, that like competes with Xbox and PlayStation. Really? Would you be into that? I mean, I haven't, I don't own any. I wish I had some. Sometimes I really think of uh, just buying you know, one. I don't... You mean a console? 
If I would buy a uh, Internet Explorer console. No, not with no. the current brand. They really definitely have to buy. Like they have to really research into like look into something very specific then very unique that they can mm-hmm. add to the landscape and just market the shit out of that thing. And like show the other ones why Xbox and PlayStation completely sucks as an unplayable unplayable because they don't have that little thing. <laughs> you know? Just lie. This is do what Donald Trump did to get elected. That that's what you gotta do if you're Internet Explorer. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you gotta do. Donald yeah. Trump should run Internet Explorer. Which is Microsoft. Yeah. No, don't run Microsoft. <laughs> Just Internet Explorer. <laughs> it turned down to the new Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Trumpster. I'm I can I say I mean I, I kinda miss the, the, the Trump tweets. Yeah. Now you know, because looking back at things, because you can't see any any of his uh, posts no more because he's all disabled. Uh, here's the thing. Here's what I would yeah. do with Trump if I was his manager, right? And here I am, and I'm gonna prove to you why I'm such a good manager, right? Yeah. Donald Trump has garnered like there's never been so such a fanatic following for any president before. Like Trump's followers are another level. Right. His movement also represented several people, like as crazy as it sounds, things that people care very deeply about, right? I think the Trump thing the Trump administration, the Trump ideology can become its whole other, its own thing. I would have Trump start his own social platform where he can continue tweeting or like posting things out and all his following is going to join that platform and it's become sort of the, it's going to be the extreme right wing sort of socially accept, everything is there socially acceptable little platform. No canceling, nothing. I know I just created a monster, but that's what I would do, man, if he hires me. (laughs) I just gave him the idea for free now, huh? I'm not I'm not gonna work for you, friend, but you know, take my idea, you know. That's great, man. I think that would be great. Because then they have their own it's like their little forum, but it's like a very user friendly, um um and not human friendly social platform. That's what I would do if I was Donald Trump. And then all the Fox News people well actually Fox News was pretty critical on it, but people like Tommy Laren and all these right-wing uh, pundits will like join it, and they'll be the celebrities on there. You get a blue check mark if you have more than five guns in home. That's what you get. <laughs> Damn, that's pretty radical. Okay, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> you want to move on something? Oh yeah, actually, um, I'm getting a bit hungry. <laughs> what so I'm are? thinking. I'm I'm wondering what you're having for dinner tonight. I'm gonna probably order a pizza. Have you been cooking? Yeah. Have you been cooking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday I had. Yesterday was pretty straightforward, but the day before I made some nice like noodles with like teriyaki beef, homemade. You know, uh, first time I make it, and it was good because considering I thought we had soy sauce at home, and I we didn't. I ended up improvising something, and it was really good. Yeah, sorry to the vegans out there though, but you know, nothing like a good beef strip. <laughs> Oof. But also, you you've been very, very having a lot of vegetarian days too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna get pizza. Pizza, some some pizza. nice veggie pizza, for to share. Yeah, sounds good. Share. 
Okay, let's get PG pizza. The the virtual pizza. Get the vegetable the vegetable veg, virtual <laughs> virtual the virtual the pizza. pizza. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. One day you're gonna get pizza injected into your body. And then only be allowed to travel. <laughs> only be allowed to travel. Yeah, that new. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, man. I think this was a good uh little random episode that we can uh, definitely put to good use and there's a lot hey, of man. clips for tiktok <laughs> that are you know I'm, I'm all in for for these pop-up uh events you know i'm, you I'm know down it. man yeah because the thing i want to end with i guess is that like you know segueing into that with uh covid and having been in amman for this long like for three months i was there I realized like starting to miss work and this whole workflow, even though I was taking so many meetings there and projects and this, uh, the difference I see always between uh, Amman and, and, and Amsterdam and not just Amsterdam. I see this in a lot of Western European places compared to uh, Jordan. Jordanians really want to do shit. Actually, like it's funny to say that people always think the grass is greener on the other side and like Europe is so <laughs> advanced, you know? And there's, yeah, Amman is advanced. Like... But people want to innovate maybe you would say people want to make something happen yeah if i talk to someone one day and you know maybe you for example and then you introduce me to someone or or i introduce someone to someone the next day they're talking and then we talked about something we can collaborate on and then two days later we're meeting about it and then two days after that we're doing it (laughs) you know it's easy because it's not as bureaucratic and, and there's less risks involved, maybe. I don't know. But people are just, like, hungry to do things. And it made me really feel like I really wanted to stay active. So now I'm doing a lot of things, both paid and unpaid. But it's one is the, the key for me to stay motivated and help me mentally and everything as well is to stay active and to push this podcast, for example, and... um. Doing the cutting board, the, the the series about restaurants where it's also paid and unpaid stuff. Working I can on... definitely see it, man. I can definitely see how how you know the drive that you would talk about that is from you know your homeland is is rubbing off uh, very nicely on and uh, yeah, man. I I can I can't wait for for you to start putting out all this content. It's, it's just a beautiful journey, and uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to to join in and uh, explore more. You know and uh, you're on board all the time always all right all right yeah and that's how it started right i mean that's how we started working together at the end it was like mm-hmm. we want to join forces to you know reach also outside of the middle east you know but taking that mentality into it right that's the plan yeah all right man well that was uh Nairuz and you know Hope you have a great evening and uh, we'll be in touch. Hopefully we'll do this again. Um, and you're going to see a couple uh, other guests on this segment of the show as well, instead of just having these interviews. Cool. Thanks. Great. Aziz, you have a good one. And thanks for everyone who has just uh, joined, tuned in and joined this beautiful conversation. Shukran Jamian. We'll see you very soon. Peace out.